0: Hey, this is Tim Brennan from the Dropkick Murphys, and you're listening to Iron City Rock.
1: welcome to episode 171 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, metal, and blues talk on the internet. Episode 171, I have quite an eclectic blend of music for you. Episode 120, we went all guitar geek. with Steve Vai, Jane Getter, and German Schaus. Uh, this time we're going to go in a completely, completely different direction. We have uh, joining us, a band who'll be coming to Pittsburgh uh, later this week, uh, Leftover Salmon, uh, who many of you may have seen on The Deadliest Catch. Uh, actually, the show after the catch, they were the house band uh, during that show. Also, we have Tim Brennan of the Dropkick Murphys joining us for a conversation. And we've got one of Aaron, uh, one of our co hosts, Aaron's. Uh, favorites mike watt will be joining us on the show and also we have a local uh, pittsburgh artist gypsy and his band of ghosts joining us so eric will talk to them so let's get into an interview with leftover sand
2: Mexico, there by the ocean, tell me do you want to go, way down to Mississippi by the Gulf of Mexico, well come on pretty baby, let me take you by the hand. Mississippi Southland, where the nights are hot and the river flows to the Bay of St. Louis, no, the and goes down to Mississippi by the Mississippi Valley, gone, Mexico. Oh, things are things a little different right here these days? Since the storm and the spill drove all.
3: On City Rocks podcast, we have Drew Emmett from the band Leftover Salmon. How you doing, Drew? Uh, fabulous. How are you today? Good, man. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. Yeah, so uh, for those who aren't familiar, and I, I myself am, am uh, just becoming semi-familiar with Leftover Salmon, um, what, what are you guys all about?
2: Well, we've been around for about 23 years um, and put out about eight records and have toured extensively around the country and played numerous festivals and all kinds of different venues, and um, we play kind of our own brand of music, which we like to call polyethnic Cajun slam grass, which basically means that we kind of play a lot of kind of roots Americana music along with uh, just kind of rock and roll and uh, just kind of our own blend of of musical styles, Uh, and we're kind of a bluegrass band, kind of a rock band, kind of a Cajun band kind of a Clipso band, just pretty much, uh, uh, spur the moment, uh, anything can, can happen kind of a, kind of a situation with us.
3: Okay. Um, you, 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 you mentioned, you know, numerous styles that influenced you. What, what musicians, uh, have, have influenced you?
2: Everybody, everybody from Bach to Led Zeppelin <laughs> and everything in between. <laughs> I just, you know, we all love really good music and, uh, you know, we try to listen to many, as many different kinds of music as possible. You know, we're uh, we're into you know we're into bluegrass, but we're also into rock, and we're into you know Cajun and and uh, you know all kinds of styles, jazz, uh, you name it. But uh, you know, we we try to we try to take everything and throw it into a big melting pot and see what we come up with.
3: Yeah, very good. Yeah, what I've heard of your music, I've been listening to it all day at work, and I heard some of the live clips on your website. Your website's very good, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. It sounded like the, the shows, the live shows you put on are just very spontaneous, and uh, it sounds like you at times cover bands and band songs and put a new twist on it. I heard a pretty interesting mm-hmm. cover of uh, Blister in the Sun from Violent Femmes. Uh, I've heard yeah. just you know just um yeah. but obviously most of it is your original songs which are just you know really incredible the the musicianship is amazing and uh, i mm-hmm. just really enjoyed it and i am going to keep listening to it definitely
4: awesome.
3: um you you mentioned uh, you have a lot of festivals that you perform at uh what's what's your favorite one or ones that you like to do
2: well there's so many great ones now um but you know we've we've been playing the Taylor Eye bluegrass festival here in Colorado for many years and uh you know we've played the high sierra a number of times dell fest is always a great one we did the Wani fest down in florida and we've done magnolia fest and spring fest in the same at the same place um and uh you know just uh boy just all over we did a festival in uh jamaica this year with little feet that was really fun Um uh, and we're going down to uh Mexico with uh, Railroad Earth and Yonder Mountain String Band and the String Dusters in December, so we're looking forward to that. But um, out of all of them, you know, I probably have to say, you know, Tayride's probably our our favorite. Um, but like I said, we we play festivals all over the place.
3: Mm-hmm. And you you are out of Colorado, based out of Colorado.
2: We are, yep. We've been here um, pretty much the whole time the band's been together.
3: I'm so jealous. Uh-huh. Uh, you guys skiers, I guess.
2: We are, yep.
3: What's your favorite place or places to ski out there?
2: Well, I live in Crested Butte, which is a really great great ski town and so I mostly ski here, but you know, I love uh Telluride and uh Aspen and uh Steamboat and and uh you know, I love to go out to Montana and ski Big Sky and and Grand Targhee and Jackson Hole and Wyoming and um I'd love to go out to Utah and ski Alta. Um just to name a few, I guess
3: yeah i just hit Alta last year i totally oh, dug it it was awesome that's a great just, area uh, around here i mean you can get some decent skiing but usually it incorporates a lot of ice and a lot of falling and pain mm, that's,
2: what, that's what i hear
3: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so if i can go west of the mississippi i sure do try oh yeah it's good out here yeah yeah so you have a very aggressive touring schedule um you know, it's, it's, it looks like you're just kicking off the tour, and you're actually coming to Pittsburgh uh, in, October, uh, in a couple of weeks actually. So
2: yes, we are. I look
3: forward to seeing you. That's that's great. Right. Um What all kind of projects does Leftover Salmon have in the works right now? Well, you know, we're still in
2: the process of promoting our newest record, Aquatic Hitchhiker, which came out in May, so it's still pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's kind of our main focus right now. But there's definitely plans to go back into the studio. Um, not exactly sure when, but we're definitely planning on doing that. Um, and uh, you know, we're always looking forward to, you know, putting out new music in the future. So we're always thinking about that. But right now, it's all about a Aquatic Hitchhiker.
3: hmm Yeah, and it is a great album. I've been I've been Thank spinning you. it all day, and really, really have enjoyed oh. listening to it. Awesome. Yeah. So, like, what's the future of bluegrass music? You've taken it and put your own spin on it. It's such a great genre, but the nowadays you know you don 't hear it enough what What do you think the future of bluegrass is?
2: Well, you know, I see more and more young people getting into it, and I think that that's you know really important because obviously you know they're going to carry it into the into the future uh more than any of us and uh I think it's really uh it's exciting for a lot of young kids you know um it's gotten a lot hipper you know in the last few years, and mm-hmm. um bluegrass traditional bluegrass is is a wonderful wonderful genre and we respect it very much but we also feel like it's great to see it evolve and change and and it's great to see people put you know their own spin on it and I think there's a lot of that happening and and I think it's really exciting uh, um, for a lot of people that are just getting into learning how to play bluegrass and I think it's really infectious that way and I think it's going to keep going and it's going to keep growing and and developing and i think that people are going to keep pushing the boundaries of it which i think is what um it's meant um what bluegrass music is meant to be is is to be uh, you know uh pushed and and changed and and stretched and and uh you know just people just putting their own uh their own spin you know on on what bluegrass is so
3: mhm how did you uh, choose bluegrass music as your as your genre of choice
2: well, you know, I'm a rocker as well. Uh, I love rock and roll, and uh, I love jazz. And, and uh, you know, bluegrass, I think, came into my life um, when I was a teenager. I started playing the mandolin. I'd been playing electric guitar, and I discovered the mandolin, and I discovered bluegrass festivals, which is pretty much about the most fun you can have. It's <laughs> going to a bluegrass festival, camping out, and staying up all night playing music around a campfire. It's just, there's nothing like it. just the whole community. that 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 you get into with bluegrass is just so great and uh it's like a language that that everybody shares and um it's just a really really good time and it's it's such a great escape from the modern world you know it's such an age-old uh tradition and and it's so timeless and uh i was just really taken with it you know and and you know when we started leftover salmon we realized that you know we could take bluegrass and into a whole new territory and uh and you know rock it out and get people up dancing to it and and uh you know it's it's very similar to rock and roll in that respect it's it's rowdy and really fun music
3: mhm mhm What would your advice be to someone who's uh you know maybe not a real great musician or maybe 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 this is to me subconsciously uh or just someone starting out or even doesn't it doesn't play an instrument how How would you get into bluegrass the best way?
2: just listen to a lot of bluegrass, you know, and go to some festivals, go see some bluegrass bands and just, uh, and listen to lots of different kinds of bluegrass, because I think some people hear maybe just one band or, you know, one kind of bluegrass and think that that's what it is, but it's a very broad, uh, um, it's a really broad kind of music, I think mean, there's a lot of different uh, different approaches to bluegrass, and I think that uh, it's important to really give it a chance and you know, uh, there's a broad spectrum of bluegrass bands, and um, and I think, you know, that's the best way, uh, you know, to learn bluegrass is to steep yourself in it and just listen to it and try to, you know, try to copy it. Try to play along with some records, and depending on what instrument you're learning, try to copy the people that play that instrument and, and learn that way.
3: Mm-hmm. How do you handle, like, a neophyte? Say you show up with your instrument and there's the campfire and all the bluegrass musicians. Uh, you know, is there a place to just jump on and get started without looking like an idiot?
2: Absolutely. You know, and you can always stand in the background until you're more confident. You know, you can always stand in the back and just play chords and, and listen and, and just absorb it. And I think a lot of people learn that way. I know I did. I learned largely largely by going to jam sessions and playing with other people. And and it's a very welcoming uh culture, you know, by and large, you know, that um, people that that are beginning are really welcomed in and, and encouraged, you know, to, to keep playing.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that that sounds like a lot of fun, definitely. I mean, yeah. That's really cool. Now, uh, what kind of, I noticed some interesting gear on the stage when I saw the videos of you, among um, the most interesting instrument I saw, and there are sure others, uh, was the electric banjo. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, well, that's been, you know, kind of a tradition with this band is that we play acoustic and electric instruments, and You know, our banjo player plays an acoustic banjo, and he has an electric um, that was handmade and given to him recently. And our uh, original banjo player, Mark Van, played a Deering Crossfire Electric and also a solid body uh, custom electric banjo. And I have an electric mandolin, and I play electric guitar, and I also play acoustic mandolin in the band. You know, so, you know, we can be, you know, pretty close to be in a traditional bluegrass band, and we can also be kind of an electric, uh, you know, kind of rock and bluegrass band, and we like to we like to go go into both those those different worlds, you know, and and uh, it's it's fun to do that. It's fun to really uh, really try to honor the the traditional bluegrass, and it's also fun to crank it up and, and get rowdy with it. Absolutely.
3: Now, when you go into one of these shows, do you have a set set list, or is it pretty spontaneous? I guess it, how how written down is it at of time?
2: Not really. Well, a lot of times we write set lists, but we don't follow them very often. <laughs> <laughs> Depends. I mean, like when it's a festival, we like to really try to at least somewhat adhere to those set lists. But we like to really be spur the moment and spontaneous too, and and just kind of go with the um, you know how the crowd is 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 making us you know feel and and how they're responding, and and uh, we'd like to be able to turn out a dime, you know.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And it sounds like you're able to do that very easily. Yeah. How are you able to do that so easily?
2: Well, you know, when you've been a band for 23 years, there's a lot of communication and a lot of intuition that goes on, and, um, you know, we have a very broad repertoire, and and uh, at any time somebody can crank into a song and we know, you know, where it's heading. And, and uh, you know, I think it's just... Uh, it's. It's by feel you know, in a lot of ways. It's kind of like uh, you know, just going by uh, you know what, how we're feeling at the time, and and uh, you know what what feels like the right the right direction to go. You know.
0: Mhm.
2: Sure. Sure.
3: Yeah. Now, um, what your uh, album "Aquatic, Aquatic Hitchhiker"? Uh, where can uh, where can we get that? Well, it can be downloaded.
2: That's on iTunes and also on our website and also. Um, it's in some stores, if there are any stores left, um, and uh, we also bring it with us on tour, so we'll have uh, several copies at our at our show at, in Pittsburgh. So if people are interested, they can grab it there.
3: And the other seven albums are they available in in a similar fashion?
2: Some of them are not at, at the moment, unfortunately. We're trying to uh, get them available, but I think that if you go to iTunes, I think I think you probably can't. I haven't looked on iTunes under salmon recently but um i think that probably be the way to go some of them are kind of hard to find unfortunately but we're trying to we're working on that we're trying to get them all available again
3: yeah that'd be really good to have the whole catalog out there absolutely yeah so uh you you're coming to our fair city uh to mr smalls in millvale which i understand is a is a uh nice venue to to see a band and i've not been there but i hope to go to this so uh um, everybody get out there and support this. It's a, They're definitely going to be a, a great act to see. Um, and you can get more information at leftoversalmon.com. And as I said before, is a, a really nice nice website. Uh, Drew, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, pleasure. It's a pleasure talking to you. And I uh, yeah. hope to see you when you come into town here. All right, sounds
1: great. All right, again, a big thanks to Leftover Sam, and then we'll be at Mr. Smalls on October 2nd doing a show for Opus One Productions, so check that out. Go to com and probably still get tickets for that or at the box office at Mr. Smalls Theater. All right, next up on the show, we have Pittsburgh artist Gypsy and his band of ghosts. Uh, recently made their debut a CD, uh, kind of a new band, but you're going to be seeing a lot more from this band, so we thought we'd introduce you. So Eric sat down, had himself a little conversation with with the band.
3: city rocks we have gypsy from gypsy and his band of ghosts how you doing gypsy
5: pretty fantastic sir how are you
3: great great thanks for coming on the show
5: not a problem not a problem stoked to be here
3: awesome now uh you uh you guys have been together uh sounds like about a year and uh don't know a lot about you i'm learning but uh would, what, what can you tell us about uh you and your band
5: well, basically, this this whole project kind of kick-started January fourteenth, two 2011. Uh, another close friend of mine, Mr. Caleb Peugeot from Caleb Pajor and the Talkers, they were formerly Signaled to the Ocean Estate. He's been a close friend of mine for a very, very long time. Uh, the guys in my band, which I'll get into detail about them in a little bit, um, and myself, have been friends with him for years. We've all played in multiple local bands together and shared the stage together on multiple occurrences in our earlier days. And... um When I was still touring with uh, a couple metal bands, I played drums for a metal band based out of here in Pittsburgh called Once Nothing from 2005 to late 2008. And I always kind of had a nice penchant for uh, enjoying a good old easy listening, you know, a little bit of folk, a little bit of... uh, Indie rock, a little little bit of easy listening, maybe some pop if I felt so inclined. Um, I've always been very uh, musically versatile as far as just enjoying a little bit of everything. I don't really discriminate when it comes to music because as long as there's passion and hard work going into it, I can definitely uh, appreciate the art and uh, the craftsmanship that goes into everything that's being done. Sure. And and um, I started writing some singer-songwriter songs uh just in the back of a van stuck in a walmart parking lot camping out at all the music festivals across uh, the states ever since uh 2005 2006 more or less just kind of like a live uh documentation uh, of all my experiences out on the road and uh what it's like living out living out of a van living out of a suitcase in a hotel room or a tour bus and um whenever i'd come home from these tours i have a very small recording set up in my bedroom where i just plug in microphone and a little uh audio interface to my laptop and record all the stuff that I worked on on the road. And I'd send these songs to a couple of my friends whose opinions that I'd I'd valued very much over the years um, that we've all grown together as musicians. So I sent these to my buddy Caleb, and he seemed to enjoy some of the songs that I'd been working on. And uh, a few months before January 2011 rolled around, he was uh, putting together his own seed release party for his band. And he was like, well, hey, man, you know, if you could get a backing band together to, uh, give your songs more energy in a live setting, you know, that would be awesome. I'd love to have you come and play. So I recruited three of my closest friends, uh, Scott Maniglia, who's been one of my best friends since sixth grade, uh, on drums and backup vocals. Uh, another very close friend of mine, Tony Tortella on bass and backup vocals. And another very close friend of mine, Mr. Diego Burns on lead guitar and backup vocals to, uh, learn parts and write some new parts to uh, give my songs as their very stripped down skeletal nature a little more energy, a little more uh, a little more excitement in the live setting, you know, because when I'd record stuff, the the way um, the band name came about, Gypsy and his Band of Ghosts, during my old tour days with uh, Once Nothing and Haste the Day, which Haste the Day I was with them from 2009 uh, to March 2011, they were a very well-known metalcore band out of Indianapolis, Indiana which my old band, Once Nothing, and them were label mates. So I got to know the original vocalist of the Today very well. So okay. Their drummer their drummer had departed. They called me knew, knowing that I was available when I had left Once Nothing in 2008. So I got to do a lot of international travel with those guys. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh my gosh, I kind of lost, lost track of where I was going with that. I get sidetracked <laughs> a lot. Um, I think I left off at
3: you were talking about your prior uh, your prior bands you had been in and i th- i think you might have been leading up to um some kind of a comparison with the current band i i, I um maybe
5: <laughs> indeed indeed oh yeah, yeah yeah, so um putting the bands together
3: right um, right G- there we the go the name
5: the name gypsy's band again so, yeah That's the it. name G- the name of the band uh kind of derives from during my old tour days with those bands my nickname became gypsy because when we started traveling internationally with haste today A lot of places we'd go, people couldn't really pronounce Giuseppe right off the tip of their tongue. So the nickname Gypsy just kind of stuck because a lot of my friends back here at home started calling me Gypsy because I was constantly on the road, constantly traveling so much. So
3: a um, dual-purpose nickname.
5: Exactly, exactly. So I came up with the name for the project Gypsy and His Band of Ghosts because when I started writing the original batch of songs that now exist on our EP Shortcuts, Backup Plans, and Detours I was recording everything by myself in my bedroom with a multi-track recording program. So I would go in and record just uh, the acoustic guitar part and the main vocals, then go back in and layer some uh, backup vocals, maybe a bass guitar track, some drums, uh, some auxiliary percussion, maybe some lead guitar parts, just to see what the songs would sound like in a fuller band kind of setting. So it was literally just me and a band of me kind of recording all this stuff. So I came up with the name Gypsy and this band of ghosts. So a lot of people were always curious as to um, where the name derives from. So that's pretty pretty simplistic explanation for that one.
3: Like the ghost runners that you'd have when you were trying to play baseball with uh, three other friends when you were kids. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Now, uh, you're all you and your bandmates are all from the Pittsburgh area, right?
5: Yes we are, yes we are. I was uh, born and raised here in South Hills. Um our bassist Tony, um, he also grew up in South Hills as well. We all went to school together, uh, Tony, Scott and myself. Uh Scott and I graduated together from Thomas Jefferson back in Oh mm-hmm. five. So when we were when we were growing up, uh Scott was in South Hills as well. Now he resides um Lawrence and Lower. And um D the- I'm sorry, where where is he? Uh, Scott's uh, over in Lawrenceville now. Oh, okay, well as, you cut out there, yeah. As well as our uh, guitarist Diego, uh, okay. Diego also resides also resides in uh, Lawrenceville.
3: Mm-hmm. Now the band, the, now Gypsy and the band of Ghosts, uh, you've been you've been doing a tour. Um, wh- wh- how far has the tour ranged, and uh, when when can we expect to see you around?
5: Oh, we've we've more or less been sticking around locally, uh, trying to get our feet wet and build up a nice following here in Pittsburgh, you know, considering we're still a younger band. We yeah. definitely have uh, a lot of ambitious goals and uh, a lot of things we would like to do, and this is kind of uh, a very, very nice head start to uh, see where things are going to go for the future, but in the meantime, we're sticking around Pittsburgh, you know, trying to build up a nice following and meet some, meet some, new, some new people around the city, make some new friends, and uh, see if we can get some people excited about what we're doing here and uh, here at home before we start branching out and um we actually just recently had our official hard copy CD release party literally last saturday september 22nd down at thunderbird cafe and it was an amazing amazing time you know we got to meet a lot of really really awesome people that we've never met before and uh Make a couple new fans and uh, share this. We got to. It's nice in retrospect, We got to bring in Caleb Pajor and the Talkers and and have them play with us as well. So it was nice to kind of see that all come full circle. You know, we played on his CD release party and he co- he got to come and play with ours and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun.
4: Mhm,
3: mhm. Very good. Uh, what are some of your upcoming dates uh, that that people can look for you?
5: Uh, upcoming dates. We actually have October 3rd, which I believe is next Wednesday. Uh, we'll be down at Belvedere's. Um, for the um, Google City Paper Sounding Board. Okay. Um, and that that will be a later show. I think that show will probably start around uh, 9 o'clock. Okay. And then we have another show on the books for October 28th with the Drowning Men at Club Cafe in Southside. Mm-hmm. So uh, those are two of our upcoming dates, and uh, we're definitely going to be be booking a lot more here in the very near future. Just kind of formulating some game plans and trying to be strategic about uh, about playing playing home base here in the city of Pittsburgh. You know, making sure we don't play and oversaturate the market too much, but we still want to make sure that we kind of keep ourselves relevant and keep keep a nice little buzz uh, in in the airwaves about us as much as possible too. Sure. Uh, You know, especially since we're supporting this record we just released, which it's also available on iTunes and Spotify as well.
3: Okay. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the record. Uh, It's it's an EP, correct?
5: Yes, sir. It's a six-track EP that we recorded with Mr. Buddy Hall at Beacon Hill Studios in Dormont.
3: Okay. And the name of the record is Shortcuts, Backup Plans, and Detours, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. Yeah, I did get to listen to it the other day and it, it sounds really good. Um sort of uh yeah, folk, folk and country blended together with some other other stuff, I guess. Uh did I describe it accurately?
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we tr- we all come from extremely uh diverse musical backgrounds. So, uh we all wanted to have a little bit of fun and uh kind of try something none of uh, genre none of us had really ever touched before. Mm-hmm. You know, we always kind of took inspiration from bands like uh Death Cab for Cutie and just we we are all all the guys in the band you know we all enjoy a lot of the same music um but none of us had ever had uh the pleasure of sharing a band with each other for the most part um you know all of us had done our own separate musical endeavors you know i was very um very deeply rooted in the hardcore metal scene for a pretty long time you know diego our lead guitarist he kind of comes from pop punk and a little bit of a little bit of psychobilly and uh mm-hmm. very 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 talented guitarist no doubt about that and a great singer songwriter as well. I actually met Diego uh probably about 7 or 8 years ago. I was living out in Robinson by the airport with some of the band members from Once Nothing. And uh Diego was friends with one of our roommates and he was coming to town. He used to go to school at IUP. He was coming to town for a weekend to record some of his singer songwriter stuff. Uh, this acoustic project he had called the North Shore Affair, and he put, he came in. I met him, and my my roommate was saying, "Oh, you're gonna love this kid. You're gonna love this kid. He's a great guy." So I listened to some of the songs. And I'm like, "Jeez, you know, this kid is writing some incredible material," and we're all super young. I was super impressed. So me and him just hit it right off. You know, me and him wrote a song that night, and the next day, him and I went and recorded this acoustic instrumental song the next day at the studio that he was recording with, and mm-hmm. it was uh. It was Brothers of First Sight, no doubt about it. That's but, um, good. Yeah, but going back to uh, the genres, more or less, um, we've we've kind of been called folk pop. We've been called alternative country. Um, me and the guys in the band, we like to joke and just call it alternative because um, as a lot of us come from these diverse musical backgrounds, we didn't really want to pigeonhole ourselves into one thing.
3: Good idea, but, yeah.
5: But if there's if there's one thing that I do fervently enjoy about folk pop, anybody can take something away from it and, and, and walk away with something that might have hit home for them. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's they enjoy traveling or, you know, they share the same sentiment of heartbreak or joys that I've had out on the road. The the really cool part about this folk pop is it's a lot more universal uh, than metal or, or hardcore that I used to play. So I feel like we can reach out to more of a broader audience with it. Sure. You know, because we have friends that are metalheads and friends that are punk rockers and friends that like the pop punk scene and adults, uh, new adult friends that like more the adult contemporary or classic rock scene. So it, it's really cool to see this awesome and strange dichotomy of different people coming to all the concerts from yeah. all these different walks of life, you know, and that's, that's the thing that I enjoy about it the most. So I like to kind of keep it in open-minded. We'll just, I personally, I just kind of call it folk, I like a new, a new modernized, Interesting collaborative version of folk, I guess.
3: Right. Yeah, it's definitely fresher and newer than like your typical folk stuff, and I like that about it as well.
5: Yeah, yeah a, I try. I try to blend. Sorry to interject. I try oh, to sorry. blend the, um, uh, the 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 lyrics. I try to be as very straightforward and honest as possible you know i've i've never been that great of a lyricist because i'm not exactly very practiced at it you know i'm very very new to being a front man for for one whole th- for this whole project so it's really cool when i get to go to a concert and watch all these bands that i enjoy watching and seeing how they do it and i i learn from from everybody i watch play you know because for me i got so comfortable hiding behind the drum set and uh, three to four other band members in front of me all the time, you know? So I didn't have to say anything. Nobody wanted to know what my life was about. Everyone just wanted to hear the songs that I was playing drums for and the songs that our front man was writing and our guitarist was writing. So now it's uh, definitely a very, very strange and interesting change of pace for me to be on a mic and telling people my stories and my... Innermost, deep, dirty, and dark little secrets about like how it is on the road, really, and um, all the experiences that I've had. You know, so it's it's an amazing learning learning experience for me. You know, I I got to learn how to be vulnerable and let these people into my life. You know, yep, which it's it's an incredible thing. You know, and it's really cool to kind of step outside of myself and and be a fly on the wall, I guess, just to, just to see how how everybody kind of takes it. And we seem to get a lot of, a lot of really positive feedback, which It's extremely humbling for me, you know, because when I started this project, I really did not have any expectations for it. You know, my only goal that I wanted to do was just to professionally document these songs that I've written and put together a band, go to a proper studio and record them and make them sound as good as we can possibly get them to sound. We've done that, you know, so anything that happens from here on out is realistically just kind of an added bonus.
3: Oh that's cool. That's cool. Now if people want to find out more about you online is the Facebook site you have the best place best way to do that?
5: Yeah, Facebook's definitely a very very awesome way to uh to get a hold of us directly. Um me, Diego, Scott and Tony like we all have the login so we're all constantly on there checking up on it and um hitting up anybody that has questions or we actually just yesterday released the dot com gypsyandhisbandofghosts.com. Okay. So that that it's, that actually might be the best way to kind of encompass everything that's going on, because that has a link to my Twitter feed, Instagram, uh, the Facebook. Um, it has a link to our iTunes, so you can buy the record directly. And at the very bottom of it, you can stream the record right on the .com. So if you haven't purchased it yet and you want to hear a couple tracks from it and a couple live tracks that we've recorded at a couple concerts,
4: mm-hmm.
5: everything is right there on the .com site to listen to. And um, it'll have a link to a big cartel site. So once we have merch up online uh, for purchase all across the United States, um, then that will take you right right to that site. So it will show you what our merch store has to offer and what you you can purchase. So it's really, really awesome. and We're extremely excited about launching that yesterday. uh, it, It looks really sharp. The guys did a great job on it.
3: Cool, I'll check that out. That's that's great to know. Well, Gypsy, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I uh, appreciate you uh you taking the time and uh we wish you the best of luck in in uh, your your uh your project and your band.
5: Well, thank you very much. I definitely appreciate uh you guys taking the time out to do this for us, you know. It's awesome. I, uh, as I said, you know, I love meeting new people.
1: All right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Alright, that's a great band there, Gypsy and his band of ghosts, so check them out, they're doing a lot of shows in the Pittsburgh area, and if they're not coming to your area, give it time, you'll be seeing them. Next up we have folk rock punk guitar icon, Uh, very hard to put a term around Mike Watt, Uh, Aaron introduced me to him, and uh, probably to a lot of you, about a year or so back, uh, he was on the show. And he's going to be coming back into Pittsburgh to do a show in the month of October, so Aaron sat down and had a conversation with Mike Watts, so let's give that a listen.
6: What I'm doing is what you saw last time i'm I'm bringing her around one more time for the u s uh It's been two years now we've been doing it uh the putting together the missing men was this actually the mission has been realized right I put together the band to do this third opera, Tom Watson, Raul Morales, and, uh, yeah, we did it, and uh, I'm kind of, uh, proud about this tour, because we know it the best now. I mean, it there's a lot of parts to it. Oh, yeah. So, uh, we kind of had to beat it into the muscle memory, you know? But, uh, it was worth it, and, uh, I really feel that this tour, we can play it the best for people.
7: Awesome. Now, is there going to be anything new put in, in, in this show? Or is there going to be... Well, a little, little, little bit
6: different encore. I mean, the gig, the main part of the gig is basically that one song, Hyphen aid Man. Okay. But it's 47 minutes long. Yeah, 30 different yeah. parts. And, uh, but I got, yeah, we're going to do something different stuff for the encore if we get one. That we didn't do last uh, tour.
7: Awesome! You know, the, I caught the last tour when you guys came through Pittsburgh. I saw yeah. you at the Brillo Box, and that that show was just amazing. Is Brillo Box still happening? Yeah. yeah,
6: yeah. I wonder why I'm not playing there.
7: I, I was at the Glass Cafe that.
6: before, and it seemed like more of a, like a singer songwriter club.
7: It, it really is like it's going to be tight to see you guys in there. But, could, but I mean, it's a great venue. I love seeing bands there.
6: A good sound there, right? Oh, it is. It's a real good yeah. sound. Well, the bill of box, maybe not as good sound, but I like. I enjoyed that gig very much.
7: Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you won't play on that again, or even um, another another venue has been real good around. There's been the Smiling Moose. I don't know if you if you've hit I've that I've never yet. played there. You like that? Uh, that's a real good show. show. I do. Have close a in Pittsburgh.
6: That His name's Tom. He's got a band called Black Moth Super Rainbow. And, uh, in fact, the well, last time I played uh, Club Cafe, he opened up as Tobacco. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a young guy, maybe uh, late 20s. Uh, really interesting band. Kind of synthesizer music. But uh, with a definite, definite edge. I don't know a lot about the Pittsburgh scene. I know uh, one musician there, though, Ed from Ohio.
7: <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about that because I just was reading an article where um, Ed contacted you about doing some fire hose gigs, and I didn't realize he lived in Pittsburgh until I read that article. So what's been going well, on with you it's guys? it's kind
6: of recent. He moved there to help his parents. They're, you know, getting old. In fact, his father passed away.
7: Ah, oh, So he moved
6: there a couple years ago to help them out. And, uh, yeah, I did some gigs with him in April in George Hurley. Two weeks on the w- – it was the west coast of the U.S. Nice. He asked me last year about that, and I said, well – at the time, my, that the hyphen A man was coming out. I said, Edward, I get a little space in between. Uh, sure.
7: So so how did those gigs go? Was it, was it pretty what? well received? I
6: think he's going to open up for me at this gig, this tour. Oh, you're SF kidding a. really?
7: So, and, and that's so, the new band, Food, right?
6: Yeah, it's called Food. Okay. I haven't seen them play, but I think they're playing. I'll see them that night.
7: Oh, man, okay. Because he asked I, me to get on
6: the bill, and so I talked to uh, the booker man about talking to the gig boss there.
7: That's that's awesome. So um, could we expect maybe some other fire hose reunion shows, or is this just kind of a, a short one-time thing?
6: Well, it's kind of hard with Edward living in another town. And uh, been real busy, but, you know, Edward, yeah, I would do it. Stuff for him, no problem. You know, I I can I can fit it in.
7: That'd be great. He came and
6: helped me at a period of my life that was very difficult, and uh, I feel I owe him a lot. D Boone got killed, you know, in that uh, van wreck. Yeah. Uh, He came from Ohio and helped out, and I'm so glad he's still playing and singing too.
7: Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a story how all that came, came to go, you know. Yeah, he
6: just came to my house. You know?
7: Yeah.
6: A, <laughs> I don't know if I'd have the courage to do that. <laughs> but Edward did.
7: Wow. So, hey, um, let's talk about the book, because that's actually what will kind of intrigued me here. Yeah, a book reached Why we shout to Howard. Um, well, on and off base, let's, let's talk about that.
6: Well, it's pictures I take when I pedal and do uh, my bicycle and do my kayak in the morning here in Pedro. And uh I would send these pictures to my friends with the email. And, well, about a year and a half ago, this gallery in Santa Monica said, hey, can we do an art show of this stuff? i never seen them even printed. And uh that happened. That was a trip. And then... uh this publisher in new york city three rooms press they said hey can we make a book out of that and uh both cases i didn't really pick the pictures or i didn't pi- i didn't pick the diary entries or the poems i had those people because i felt you know not too secure you know pictures is uh i'm more of a bass player than a picture taker you know but, well, uh,
7: I, I would say that you're you're equally adept at both. I was very very impressed with the pictures that I saw.
6: Well, I um, feel myself a little more secure. Maybe I've done it longer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it was really kind of them, and uh, yeah, people tell me uh, there's there's something about it. Uh, I like the way. It, it, yeah, the pictures are my home, but all the, the words are from me being on tour away from home. So it's a weird kind of contrast.
7: But I'm glad you brought that up, because I wanted to ask you like, if any of the pictures matched where some of the, the words were taken from, or if all the pictures were just San Pedro. So those are all local San Pedro pictures? They're all
6: Pedro, because I live in the harbor here, right, in Los Angeles.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: And uh, that's when I'm out in the kayak or on my bicycle. The sun rises. You know, we're on a peninsula, so the sun actually rises in the east. We're different than the other water towns in SoCal. Nice. Because of that. And there's something about the morning, you know, about the sunrise. It means to me, like, you know, what can, what are we going to do today? Like potential, you know.
7: Yeah. Well, the I know most music,
6: music dudes are supposed to be about late night. <laughs> but as I moved into middle age, it seems... I was conking earlier and earlier and waking up earlier and earlier. And that's what the pictures reflect. They're all from the early morning. And, uh, yeah, there's a weird thing. You know, I've done, what, tour for work over 30 years now. And it does make you appreciate your own home a little bit, I think, being away. Yeah. You know, maybe I wouldn't like Pedro as much if I didn't go away from Pedro. But in another way I'm curious about the rest of the world. Yeah. Even though, you know, I like my town. I still want to find out about the rest of the world. So it's kind of a what do you call it? A duality.
7: Yeah, well, a dichotomy, I can say, you
6: know? Yeah. Okay. You roam, you roost. Right. And I room. think that's what the the title they picked for it, on and off base. Yeah. You know what life is about taking turns. Uh Maybe the most in, uh, fundamental cycle like that is inhale, exhale. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can't always be breathing in. you got to be breathing out. And maybe it's the same thing about being in your town and leaving your town. You must have feelings sometimes about your own situation like that, right?
7: Oh, I sure do. I, I love the city. Like I, I've spent time away from and I've lived to other places, but Pittsburgh, there's you want nothing to come back, quite right, like right, the, the city. Cord.
6: Yeah, it snaps you back. But sometimes being away helps. Maybe with you around too much, you start to take it for granted. You know, just being a human being, not being anything uh, mean or anything. It's just you get to take things for granted. So when you go away and you discover other stuff, you remember uh, uh, things you like about the other place also. It's just well, vocabulary. It's just adding. It's not replacing one word with another. It's just having more words. That's the way know. I
7: look at it. Uh, well, these pictures are beautiful. Like I, I've, I'm in are going. I call, really like I, because because really
6: I call them eye gifts because you can't really set them up. It's different than a song where you put the notes together and stuff. With a yeah. picture taken, you just got to be ready to capture the thing when it comes along. It's really trippy. Kind of, it's much different. Um, kind of expression because, yeah, you can't set this shit up. You can't tell the sun where to be, where the birds to be, where the dolphins or the pelicans to be. You just just got to be ready to snap them, right?
7: Yeah. Have that camera
6: ready. So that's why I call them eye gifts.
7: (laughs) Now, when you were like, how'd you get into photography? Like, well, that's how I got into it. I started
6: riding a bike. I didn't ride a bike for 22 years, huh? I got a car at 16 and I thought, ah, this is for little kids, you know, and I was an asshole. Because there's something about pedaling. Now, Pittsburgh, you got a lot of hills, so a little difficult to pedal some parts. But yeah. uh, one thing about pedaling is it's more quiet, especially early in the morning when there's not a lot of people out.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: So I started becoming aware in a way I wasn't riding around in a car. Sounds. Well, for one thing, you have to, or you get killed. <laughs> it's a little more dangerous. You know, you got to yeah. be aware. And uh, not listening to a radio or something like you do with an automobile, and uh, I started witnessing this stuff. What's it called? Nature. Well, it ain't pure nature because it's also harbor. So as, as you notice in the pictures, it's mixed. It's kind of industry mixed with nature. That's the way Los Angeles Harbor is. Yeah. Kind of a trip. It's a mixture. The Pittsburgh's kind of like that. When you get up, you know, from the city and the hills are right there. It kind of mixes in.
7: Yeah. Yeah. The rivers. Exactly right.
6: Right, the rivers? Oh, yeah. There's this thing of n- nature mixing in with man. Okay, so I, I started witnessing this stuff and from a perspective I'd never got in an automobile. And so I wanted to start, yeah, capturing it. Around the same time, we're talking 1996, 97, yeah. these digital cameras started c- coming out. And, you know, in the old days, when you bought the camera, that was just the first installment. You had to buy the film, get it developed. Digital yeah. camera, it's that's right there. And you could delete the shitty ones. I mean, it was just a whole different way of, like, being more, uh, I don't know, go for it kind of spirit with the digital thing that you couldn't really do with film unless you were a very rich man. <laughs> and so that coincidence, along with me getting back on the bike now, I have bad knees, so after a while, I started alternating bicycle days with kayak, because in a kayak, you only use waist on up. Yeah. So it gave my knees a rest. But then it also gave me another dimension, another perspective. When you're at sea, you know, it, Oh yeah. it's like being on the bike. It's just not like being in a car or being in a living room or being, you know what I mean? It's its own thing.
7: In and when you kayak, you're right out in the ocean. When
6: you kayak, yeah, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays. I set out from the harbor and I go out in the sea. Yeah, oh,
7: it's awesome.
6: I did it this morning, and that's, uh, that's gonna be a great yeah. Your own your 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 area. own little engine room. <laughs>
7: yeah, yeah.
6: You know, my pop was a sailor and shit, and it's trippy how I got into it, but it's a good thing, and not just for the body. You know, I'm not really a jock. It's a lot of it's for the head too.
7: Yeah. My grandfather was a navy man as well, so that's why I think I always been drawn to the ocean.
6: Right. Well, and Pittsburgh's got those three big rivers. Yep, we do. And those are, in fact, I've never really river kayaked. It must be intense with those currents and whitewater and shit.
7: Yeah, I've I've canoed down them. I've never done kayak. You know, I've i canoed the rivers around here. and That's a lot of fun. Oh, I've done okay. Like, like, you know, 50 so there's canoe something trips.
6: about being the man of your own boat, you know? Yep. And the way the, the, the water carries you, you're actually, you, you're plugged in a little bit with a natural thing. You know, it's weird. Yeah. There's a resonance, there's a vibe. Uh, I don't know. And so I wanted the camera along with me since I was seeing these things with my eyeballs. I wanted to try and capture them. And then this opportunity came with the more kind of way with the digital camera, you know. Yeah. So in a way, it was kind of coincidence.
7: Now, are you using just like the point-and-shoot camera or are you using like a professional Well, I use a waterproof
6: camera. one, a Pentax W60 for the uh, kayak because the ocean, you know, salt water is rough. I'm oh, sure. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I use a little bigger one, a Canon, one of these uh, T1s for uh, in a sack that I carry when I'm pedaling on the bicycle. Cool. And then on tour, I use one of these uh, Canon... Uh, Yeah, Point and Shooter's, um, what's it called, SX-130 for tour. Okay. Although I don't really have any tour shots in that book. I do take shots a lot on tour, but I think uh, what they wanted, both the gallery and the people who made that book, was my my idea of San Pedro. So that ain't, you know, juxtaposed from tour. But I take shots in tour, too, because, man, you know, those places, they're a trip. You've never been there.
7: Yeah, well, I'd, I'd love to see your tour photos. I, I bet you've got a lot of great photos from the places you've been.
6: Yeah, the one lucky thing about this work is you go to different towns, yeah. I was just in Chicago, uh, played there with the Stooges Sunday. And, man. Wow. Even, even if it's the same town, when you go back, stuff changes. It's oh, just yeah. very interesting. Uh, okay,
7: so um, when I was emailing with Howard, he told me to ask you about what you got up up your sleeve for the Clenched Wrench label.
6: Well, yeah, I started a label. In fact, the first release was Hyphenated Man. Okay. And uh, because I got a lot of projects. And uh, it kind of goes back to me and D. Boom 30 years ago when we did New Alliance. You know, we put out the first Descendant album and Who's Could Do and mm-hmm. We were kind of inspired by the SST guys, you know. Punk wasn't just making a band, it was like, yeah, putting out records, and doing all kinds of stuff. And so I kind of got back to my roots on that way, we, we're where there's no middleman. You just put it out.
7: Yeah.
6: And I think nowadays, with the internet and stuff like that, it's kind of easier than ever.
7: That's the way to do it. I mean, you know, it's, it's from consumerism. Yeah, I think the big label
6: thing it. is kind of uh, obsolete. I
7: completely agree.
6: Yeah, So that's what's the thing about Clench Wrench. And I got an album coming out with two Italian guys they did in Italy. And I'm going to do a tour with that in February called Sonio De Maenaio. I got a Black Gang album coming out with Nels Klein and Bob Lee. Uh, You know, I've put out already three albums on the label. Dose album, which is the two bass band I have with Kay from Black Flag. Nice. And uh, Spiel Gusher with Richard Meltzer. And, uh, yeah, hyphenated man. So that's that's what Clutch Wrench is about. It's mainly to get my projects out. I'm not really thinking of putting out other people's music because uh, i got enough stuff going on right now to keep me busy. But it's a way for me to have unfiltered, uh, direct way of getting sounds to folks. Uh,
7: you know, and, and it's amazing to me that, like, like that ethic that you talk about, that, you know, you and D. Boom would have started with back, you know, years ago now.
6: Yeah, New Alliance.
7: It's, it's propelled, it's propelled a whole subculture of the music industry. You guys kind of flew below the radar, and now you've become, like, the main producers. So, I mean, like you said, the major labels are dead in the water. Yeah. And they're not doing anything. You've, you've, you know, you guys have always had the right idea, direct-to-consumer,
6: yeah. And here you go. Well, you know. you know, in those days the punk scene was very small. You you had to do it yourself or it wasn't going to happen. <laughs>
7: yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's amazing but, where it's gone.
6: But because of that circumstance, that led it to kind of ethics that I think are still relevant now. Even though yeah, there's Green Day Broadway play <laughs> and uh, Blink 182 and the Hot Topic in the mall <laughs> to buy yeah. the punk clothes. Still, <laughs> you know, that that's not the real punk, the real punk, right? Is the ethics of Taking shit into your own hands. Yep, was never a style of music. It's more of a state of mind, and uh, I never uh, quote outgrew unquote that. I think those things that I learned those days still help me now.
7: Yeah, and I mean, like the the ethic of that because I, I got to talk to, um, to Henry Rawlinson not too long ago, and we were talking yeah, about all dad. that stuff. You know, and it's just amazing what to to see, like, to see where you guys were and to think about what the opinion may have been, like the general public opinion of what you guys were doing at the time and how you have brought everybody around to your way of thinking, you know? Well, I think,
6: I don't know if it's just us. I mean, I think people are very open-minded and kind to listen to what we were doing. You know what well, I mean, uh,
7: and, uh, but I, I think a lot of that had to do with, with the way you guys presented it. You were very.
6: Yeah, well, more, we kind of. Landless, had to, you know? I was telling you, this situation, you kind of had yeah. to. If you didn't do it, you would get rolled. Yeah, yeah,
7: absolutely. You know, if you
6: were counting on some uh, sugar daddy or big label, you know, corny ass shit like that, <laughs> it wasn't going to happen so soon. But, uh, yeah, we did have to act on it. You're right, you're right. And somebody like Hank Rollins who's incredibly uh, industrious. I mean, that cat, you know what I mean? He ain't going to lay down. Yeah. He ain't going to take a breather. He's not going to rest on laurels. Like like what you say, a lot of stuff happened in the old days, right? Yeah. We keep pushing. And going and going. Yeah, right. And uh, it's an interesting thing. I feel very grateful for
7: being part of that. Hey, Mike, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Thanks so much for doing this interview today.
1: All right, big thanks to Mike Watt. Also want to thank uh, Aaron for doing the interview. And what we have now coming onto the show is a band that uh, came into Pittsburgh, and I will freely admit I was not all that knowledgeable about the band, and uh, someone had suggested I check them out. Celtic Punk Rock Band. Known as the Dropkick Murphys, uh I'm sure many, many, many of you know who the Dropkick Murphys were. And going, hey John, why don't you know who they were? They just never really fell into my radar until uh I had a chance to sit down and have a talk with Tim Brennan about the band uh, and really take the time to give the band a listen. It was not a, a genre of music I listened to it a lot, but really, really appreciated the music. It was great to get a chance to talk to him. I will caution you: this interview very, very noisy. Uh, Tim was in the middle of doing the load-in, I believe, for the band's uh, opening night of the tour, uh, shortly before they came to Pittsburgh. So you'll hear trucks backing up, and it's it's a little noisy. I'm hoping the audio is clear enough that you'll be able to hear everything we talked about, because he was a really, really nice guy to talk to. So without further ado, here's Tim Brennan of the Dropkick Murphys.
4: From the band of Dropkick Murphys, I've got Tim Brennan. How are you doing, Tim? Pretty good. Thank you very much. Great. Um, you guys are starting, if I'm not mistaken, tonight actually in Buffalo, the uh, halfway to St. Patrick's Day tour. Um, what can folks expect uh, on this go Um, I mean, we uh, the, the first
0: and foremost we we have a new uh, record that we've that we've just finished that's so going to be coming out early next year. So we're probably going to be road testing some new songs. Okay. Um, in, in addition to the uh, to the, uh, the old favorites, you know, um, so we're, we're really looking forward to, uh, to getting, you know, the fan reaction from those song. Yeah.
4: Now, um, the album itself is, uh, Signed and Sealed in Blood. Um, what is, do you guys have an, a release date yet in line for that album? Say that one more time. What was the question? The album Signed and Sealed in Blood. Uh, do you have a release yeah. date scheduled for the album yet?
0: Um, early January. I don't know if we've pinpointed an exact day yet, but, um... Okay. It's going to be out, um, early in the year, I think.
4: Okay. And, um, as far as the material on the album, is there anything, uh, particularly distinct about this release compared to the other albums? Um, I think... I mean, I think as with
0: with a lot of our albums, it's just sort of we've, we've made another sort of natural step in our songwriting, um... Mm-hmm it's uh i mean it's it's a, the the a dropstick art album, you know, so i mean you're you're not going get you're not gonna get uh something too different um but uh but on every record we try to challenge ourselves a little bit um songwriting wise and and uh and i think we we did that on this record as well and sort of came up with a couple things that you know maybe five years ago, you wouldn't have heard from us. Um, but that's always one of the exciting parts
4: about making, making a new album. Now, in the writing process of this, um, especially with lyrics and things like that, is the climate of, you know, the world, make it a little bit easier for you guys to have material to choose from? I mean, as far as topics, I I mean, we, you know, we're one of those bands where we just sort of
0: write about what we know. And, and Ken and Al, um, you know, uh, um, when they, when they get to writing lyrics, you know, they, they sort of take from a lot of personal experience and, and, uh, you know, our, 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 um, you know, where we all come from definitely has a, has a, a big influence on, on the songwriting and, and, um, and, you know, those guys just think about what they know and, and, uh, luckily that connects with people because, um, you know, it's, it's something. It's generally something that that uh, that everybody can relate to, and that and that your average Joe is going through. So, uh, yeah. You know, like I said, it's just
4: it's just about writing about uh, writing about what what you know you can write about. Well sure. I, I saw on your website you guys are holding a contest that if uh, people get the is the new logo tattooed, they have a chance to get in on the CDs uh, booklet. Who uh, came up with that idea? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you because you hold on That's one okay. Um, hold on one second, just sure. Just to to hold it <laughs> All right, say that one more time. I saw on um, the website that you guys are holding a contest that if uh, people get the new album artwork, uh, tattoos, if they have an opportunity to get in, and the album liner notes and things like that. Um, Was that somebody inside the band that came up with that idea, or was that kind of a record company idea? No, that was, I mean, we've always,
0: you know, our our fans are... um, our, you know, every band says it, but we truly mean it. I mean, our, our fans are the greatest fans in the world, and, and a lot of people have gone so far as to tattoo the name of the band, or song name, or lyrics, or whatever, on their body, to, you know, permanently. And uh, um, there's a song on the new album called "Rose Tattoo," and, and we thought we would have a little bit of fun with it. Obviously, we're not uh, <laughs> we're not demanding that people do it, but I mean, we're just like, hey, if you feel like it's a drop a tattoo. Uh, you know, this would tie in nicely with the, with the record and, and um, we'd love to see what people end up getting. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're always happy to have our fans be a part of the album in some way. And the fact that, yeah. you know, we can make all the pictures that we get, back and put them in the line. Or so that's, that's a great thing.
4: Yeah, that's a pretty cool thing to do for the fans. Um, you guys in the past have had... Uh, those shortages, especially on the last album, Bruce Bracey and uh, a couple other guests. Are there any uh, cameos on this album? Um, not
0: particularly. There's, um, I mean, there's a couple here and there. Uh, Dickie Barrett from the Boston sings uh, backups on the song, and um, we had um, uh, a friend of ours uh, who plays banjo for a band called Humphrey and Sons that you might have heard of, uh, sat in and, And um, you know, uh, but uh, it's not not quite as heavy on the guests as uh, as going out in style with the old Springsteen appearance and stuff like that.
4: Sure. Yeah. Um, Have you been? I mean, you've been with the band now. You joined in. Was it two thousand three? You started with the band. The two thousand three. What event? Was it two thousand three when you started with the band?
0: Oh yes, yeah. Uh, 2003 is when summer of 2003 is when okay. is when I so you, uh, came into the circus.
4: So you've been in the band long enough to see uh, some very impressive chart success with the band. Is that come as kind of a surprise? Uh, you know, based on the music, you know, the type of music you play, which is you know obviously very unique. Uh, but yeah, I mean, punk uh, band. that's uh, it's it's it was I mean
0: so surprising. I mean, um, you know, never in our wildest dreams as a band. I don't think that we think that we could open, you know, Billboard or both uh, magazine and, and see a Tom Murphy's album uh, on the uh, on the chart in the back. But um, you know, it's just it's just another thing. Is, you know, we're we're just the luckiest guys in the world. Uh, you know, we we're just a you know a bunch of A bunch of normal guys from from Boston who, uh, you know, can play our instruments a little bit. And and the success that we've been able to have is is something that we most certainly don't take for granted. And, and, uh, you know, everything that's happened, including being in the charts like that, has just been such a blessing for us. Right.
4: Uh, As a uh, guitarist, and you play the mandolin. Do you, like growing up as a musician, did you listen to a lot of this style of like traditional Irish music or were you more of a... You know, a, a clash. You know, Sex Pistols kind of the guy when you were a kid. Um, I went through. I went through both. I
0: mean, you know, when I was a little kid and I would hear traditional Irish music from my grandparents or whatever. You know, I didn't want anything to do with it. And then um, when I uh, when I got a little bit older, you know, after I had gotten into punk rock, um, you know, a friend of mine introduced me to the pose and, and that was sort of. A, uh, you know, I, I just started getting back into the traditional Irish stuff, and and, um, and like I said, also listening to to punk rock. And, and uh a friend of mine gave me a Pogues record, and and that was it. I completely immersed myself in like traditional Irish music, and, and uh, you know, with the Pogues being at the forefront of my of my listening. Um, and, uh, and I just sort of, you know, I, I learned how to play the accordion and the tin whistle and stuff just sitting in my room listening to, to those old traditional Irish songs and folk records and, and trying to play along.
4: Yeah. Would you consider, I mean, as far as the genre, I mean, are the folks kind of the, the leader in that, uh, you know, what has become known as Celtic punk or, uh, or whatever you want to label it as? So were they kind of the originators yeah, of that? sound? Actually. I, I mean, you know,
0: there's, there's, there's bands like the Dubliners and stuff that sort of, that sort of paved the way for, for the Pope. And like, there was always somebody that was sort of operating a little bit outside the line.
4: And yeah.
0: That's what the Pope's were. Um, and, uh, I mean, for me, they were, they were, uh, you know, at the, at the helm of that whole thing. Um, uh, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of, you know, uh, Irish music purists or something that that would, would disagree with me but for my money it doesn't quite get any better than those guys. Right.
4: Um now as far as is the album are you guys I you're doing a, a run of dates right now, but how long does this take you? Does it take you kind of through the end of the year you guys could time off and then kinda of hit the hit the road full bar in twenty
0: thirteen? Yeah, um I mean we have uh we have this, this Halfway to St. Patrick's Day tour that we're that we're starting now, um, we're out we're out here for um, about ten days or so, and then and then we go home for for uh, a little bit, and then we come back out into a uh, a full-on run of of the states, um, and then uh, and that that should bring us up to the holidays, and then after that, I think we'll we'll probably lay low for a minute, and then once the record comes out early next year, we're just going to hit it hard. Yeah, hit the road.
4: Now, do you guys, um, I'm kind of curious uh, the reaction to your style of music um, overseas, especially. I mean, does it translate to to other countries as well as it does in the United States? It does, yeah. Um, I mean, we're we're so fortunate in in the fact that you know
0: wherever we go to play, people show up and 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 uh, come to support us in the shows. Um, And as I said before, that's that's, a blessing for us. We have the greatest job in the world. And I mean, you know, a a lot of people will ask me, you know, like, oh, when you go to Ireland, do they hate you guys because you're Americans and you're doing, you know, punk rock with traditional Irish music and stuff? And the answer is no. I mean, everybody is super supportive all around the world and we have, you know, we could be playing in the middle of Germany and it would feel like we're playing in Boston. So... Great, great feeling. Yeah, excellent.
4: And, and uh, just one final thing: the, the new album. Will it uh, is it again coming out on your label? <laughs> uh, yeah, Born and Bred Records. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh,
0: so we'll, but it, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be available everywhere.
4: Everywhere, and then we'll look for that right after Christmas. It's been awesome. Huh? Tim, I want to thank you yeah. for for taking the time to come on the show. It's been a great uh, time talking to you about this. Thank you.
1: All right, that about wraps it up. I want to thank Tim Brennan, Gypsy and the Bands of Ghosts, Leftover Salmon, and and the incomparable Mike Watt for joining us. Also, a big thanks to Eric and Aaron for their help in putting the show together. Uh, And I told you at the beginning of the show, and I promised you this would be an eclectic blend of music, and I think we certainly delivered. You had Celtic punk, uh, almost a bluegrass uh, singer-songwriter type of music, you name it. So we were all over the map with this one. So I hope you enjoyed it. We'd appreciate your feedback. Iron City Rocks at gmail.com. You can hit us on Facebook forward slash iron city rocks, twitter.com forward slash iron city rocks. If you're an old timer like me, go to ironcityrocks.com and get to all of that great stuff. So we appreciate any and all feedback. Leave us a review on iTunes. And again a reminder if you've got an iPhone, iPad, iPod touch, go to the music or I'm sorry, the app store Search for Iron City Rocks and uh, check out our new app and let us know what you think. I know there are a few bugs in it. There is a second version coming out very soon that should fix all those bugs. So thank you for those who have got it and pointed out the couple flaws uh, and let you know that we did work hard to fix those. So thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time.